the Anxiety Book Club. This is episode number 51, and I'm very pleased today to be joined by Anson Whitmer, co-founder of Mental, former founding data scientist at Calm, and I think world traveler and uh, maybe climber is in that, uh, <laughs> bona fides as well. Yeah, I would throw that onto the list. Cool. So um, what would you, would you like to introduce yourself a little bit more than I just have? Yeah, no, uh, I think one of the big things to add there that's particularly p pertinent to today's conversation is that I also have a PhD in neuroscience. Uh, of course. My research focus was on, uh, was on rumination or repetitive negative thinking and how that could lead to a variety of axis one mood disorders such as depression, anxiety, PTSD, etc. So uh, I did a a PhD and a postdoc uh, at Sanford before I end up moving into industry. That's really interesting. So, did it find? Did it turn out to be causal uh, rumination for some of those mood disorders? Oh yeah, um, yeah. It's a fascinating line of research. It was started by a professor out of Yale, Susan Nolan Hoeksma, and she wanted to understand this like early '90s why depression, what, why there's a higher incidence of depression in women than men. Uh, and as we'll probably get into a little bit later, there's actually research showing that isn't really the case. It's just how depression manifests itself is, is different in men versus women. So it made it seem like there's a different incidence rate. Um, but her theory was that women are more likely to fall into rumination or just kind of repetitively brooding over their negative feelings uh, and what could be kind of causal mechanisms that this rumination could lead to uh, someone cycling downwards into depression or anxiety. Uh, men tend to do the opposite. They tend to engage in distraction. Uh, they're less likely to ruminate. Uh, they're more likely to try to ignore what's going on and kind of fall into things like substance abuse, alcoholism, et cetera, or, or risk-taking. Um, but that could lead to its own mal-specific form of depression. Mm, interesting. Okay, so the incidences are not not biased in terms of women, just kind of how they manifest or maybe how, how long it takes for men to get there might be a little bit different. Yeah, it's... Uh, you know, depression typically thought of what the kind of classical symptoms of anhedonia, lack of pleasure, um, and sadness. You do see men exhibiting depression of that sort and manifesting itself with those types of symptoms. Um, I think with, but you see about two X more females experiencing depression that's uh, exhibited in that sort of way. But there's in more recent years, there's been research trying to understand mal-specific forms of depression. It, usually it kind of surfaces more with anger, irritability, withdrawal, risk-taking, substance abuse, even workaholism. And, you know, there's, there's kind of good reason behind this, uh, a number of different reasons behind it. You know, that, that anger and irritability coming out first instead of sadness, uh, a big part of the reason for that is that anger is a funnel emotion 
for men. Mm. It, it's one of the few emotions where we're safe feeling and expressing society's okay with an angry man. Uh, <laughs> with our idea of masculinity, men don't feel comfortable being sad or crying or exhibiting uh, a lot of other emotions except for anger. Um, so then w- what I mean by a fun emotion is that all these other emotions like sadness, et cetera, they, they get hidden behind it. And, and I think, uh, they're hidden behind it also to the man, uh, themselves. It's not like he knows, well, I'm really sad and I'm just gonna, uh, be angry, but I know it's sadness. I, d- I don't think men often appreciate the emotions behind it. They tend to try to handle this anger and this big backlog of emotions behind it by reverting to risk-taking and to workaholism, their coping mechanisms. Uh, and they help keep men blind to what's really going on underneath all of that. And so it's actually a really big thing uh, for people who are working with men if, if they're seeing a lot of anger and irritability. Uh, that quite likely anger and irritability is not the issue that you need to address. You need to look behind the anger and figure out what is causing that. And it might be sadness. Uh, often behind it is depression. Um, and if you start measuring depression in different ways and appreciating this, how uh, it can manifest itself in men, then more research has come out over the past 10, 15 years has shown that incidences of depression is actually it appears at the same rate in men as it does uh, in women. It just kind of manifests in a different way. Hmm. Uh, interesting. Thanks for bringing that to light. I didn't know a lot about that. Um, so yeah. So what's interesting? So mental. Let's talk about the app. The it's an app for men. It's for their mental health. What's important about offering something gender specific in this way? What's you just mentioned some of the differences between men and women and some of the emotions they feel comfortable manifesting or exhibiting to the world. It also seems to be the case from some of the papers that you sent me that uh, men are more sort of action oriented or goal oriented. Um, mm. Is So is that is that the reason for this particular offering, the mental app, as opposed to something that's not gender specific? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's just how men's culture, around mental health, uh, it's just really different from women's culture on mental health. And, uh, and, and you know, you, you look at the world and there's a lot of different times where um, male-specific brands uh, make men feel kind of fine doing things that they otherwise wouldn't, such as uh, a brand that sells skincare cream, but is just to men. It opens up the door for men to be able to engage in it. So, so sometimes there is... Uh, possibility that can arrive from creating a male specific space that will open up the doors to uh, more men feeling comfortable in that space. Uh, So I think there's something almost to that, uh, uh, just having that male specific space by itself. But really with mental health, uh, because there is such differences in how men approach it and what they want out of uh, solutions is that there really does need to be a different approach. Uh, The way you could meet a man uh, who is struggling with stress or anxiety or depression or different mental health issues uh, generally is pretty different than how you would approach uh, your average female. Of course, there's going to be overlap. And when I talk about gender differences here, I'm always kind of talking about averages. Um, But you do see on average pretty big differences about how you would approach a man versus a woman. Uh, 
and knowledge about these gender differences, knowledge about how to approach them differently. Uh, for example, understanding uh, that anger is a funnel emotion in men uh, could really change how you approach them. Understanding the importance of making treatment more goal-oriented, more concrete, um, more about solving problems for men, of trying to meet them there, uh, is going to make it so you're more likely to connect with them and actually uh, lead them on a journey towards a place where they are more mentally healthy, happy, and live in a life of more purpose. Mm. Nice. So I guess in, in some ways it's um, kind of a gateway. You know, if you get men using the mental app and suddenly they find that they have a space inside the mental health community that's not stigmatizing and welcome to them, they can then further explore, you know, treatment options um, in a way that they might have been sort of precluded or sort of get gatekept from accessing before. Yeah. One of the ways I, I think about it is that there are a lot of different tools out there for treating your mental health, uh, for improving your mental health. Uh, it doesn't always feel that way based on cultural conversation uh, that we hear. Often, to me, the dominant discourse seems to indicate, hey, if you want to improve your mental health or if you're struggling with mental health and need to treat it, uh, go to therapy. Uh, and therapy, uh, what it does is it uh, treats trauma. You need to go back and understand past traumas and work through them. And that's how you will end up feeling better and living a fuller life. Uh, and, and I think what ends up happening with that narrative uh, is that a lot of guys view, well, if I, I'm struggling here or want to improve my mental health, then I need to do something that's akin to uh, you know Anthony Soprano going to see the therapist in, in The Sopranos, uh, which is sitting week in, week out, uh, talking to a therapist, maybe indefinitely about how he feels in a kind of more like Freudian uh, approach to therapy. Um, and that is one potential tool out there to do that type of therapy. Uh, there's multiple different types of therapy. Um, and sometimes uh, it is uh, really needed to kind of dive into things that have happened to you into the past to understand how they're impacting you now, uh, how they're driving your current behavior. And that could be super effective. But the reality is, is there's just a lot of different things impacting your mental health. And there's a lot of different types of tools you could use to improve your life. Um, for example, it's really clear that lifestyle changes are having a dramatic negative impact on our mental health. We're seeing huge increases in rates of depression and anxiety, stresses uh, at levels that it's just really kind of mind-blowing to me. The number of people who are lonely these days is really shocking. Uh, we see a lot of these changes that have been going up for years, but they really peaked, uh, bumped up with the advent of the smartphone, which has dramatically changed our lifestyle. And so now you have people where Hey, even if they work out three times a week, they spend the rest of their day sitting. Uh, they're usually inside during the day and they don't get sunlight. Uh, they get too much light at night. They look at their phone and socialize with people in a half sort of way via social media instead of meeting people in person, have a real connection. Uh, they eat poor diets. Uh, they don't do anything that's difficult and challenges themselves anymore. Uh, just a life of screens. And... Uh, 
And one of the ways to approach uh, improving mental health is to change your lifestyle. Start working on those different things, improve. And the reality is, if you went in and saw a good therapist uh, and what you're presenting with was uh, feeling stressed or depressed or anxious, they would probably start by working on some of those lifestyle issues first and make sure that you are taking care of uh, yourself in that sort of way before they would go deeper into feelings or things that are holding you back. Uh, and But you don't necessarily need to see a therapist in order to fix uh, those things that are maybe impairing your mental health. And the reality is, is a lot of guys are open to kind of these more mechanical and behavioral sort of changes uh, to work on their mental health, much more so than they're willing to go and sit face to face with somebody and talk about their feelings and their emotions. So, and, and I go on about different tools around, you know, dealing with your autonomic response coming out of uh, neuroscience, et cetera, et cetera. But to me, when I think about how do we get through to men, well, let's help them understand that there's a lot of tools out there. Let's try to present them with the tools that they are more naturally inclined to want to use. Uh, so meet them where they are at. And then the amazing thing I think that could happen here is, uh, is that you build trust that these tools and that work in this space will make you happier, will make you feel more fulfilled and that you should do more work here, that it's worth your time. As, that's why I get concerned about, uh, you know, therapy or nothing as your kind of two options to work on it because a lot of guys go, well, I'm not doing that. So they do nothing. And by mm -hmm. doing nothing, they don't build up that trust. And then when you do get guys who slip into a crisis state, um, and we tell them, Hey, go get help. Well, they don't have any trust here. They don't have any experience. Uh, so it's a really big chasm for them to cross for them to believe that if they reach out and get that help, that it will actually help them solve the problem that is making them feel so despaired. But if instead they have this history where they have seen the impact of working on their mental health and di using different tools, they might realize, Oh, well, and when I'm in this state, the tool I need is a real life human who is going to help me work through this. And I trust that they're going to be capable of helping me come out of this problem and see to the other side of it. Mm. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, I can definitely see that happening. I've played with the app a little bit. I think I've spent more time on the discord channel, which seems quite active. Awesome. Um, I don't know if that's a, a core offering of the app, but it seems like, folks are pretty hungry for that kind of community talking about their wins for the week and their um their progression through the apps tools so how big of a part of the apps offering is like the building of this community where like peers are interacting and talking to each other and asking each other for recommendations or questions yeah i uh, know i it makes me uh, happy to hear that you got into the discord and checked it out it's uh yeah, uh, to use that word again, I, it's kind of one of those rare, happy uh, places on the internet. Uh, especially, you get a group of guys together on the internet, and all mm. feels like a Reddit, <laughs> Reddit toxic pit of <laughs> of criticism. Uh, and our Discord is not that. It is uh, there's feelings of brotherhood and support and pushing on each other. And and yeah, I, loneliness is just 
a massive issue in society right now. This for men and women, um, and the rates of it, uh, particularly in youth, I find to be really disconcerting. It's like I saw a stat saying nearly fifty percent of young adults between the age of eighteen and twenty-four report feeling lonely frequently. And the issue here, uh, besides just those rates right in that moment and the impact that has on your mental health and your physical health, uh, is that that's a time in life when you should have the most friends you're mm. and they say go down it goes down from there uh when you get busy with work and family etc and so as people get older uh they're going to be even the rates of loneliness is going to be even higher and i think we have a real mental health crisis looming as generation z grows up if we don't figure out ways to make them feel more connected and connected for real not by getting likes and little dopamine hits from online attention, but real genuine human to human connection. And, and so I know it's generally important. And uh, with men, it's particularly hard because men struggle uh, to make friends and cultivate friendships uh, to an extra degree than women do later in life. Um, and so we have to resolve that if we are going to improve mental health and there, and I think one of the ways that we do need to work towards resolving it is creation of male spaces where uh, we could be together with other guys, develop brotherhood and work on activities together, be shoulder to shoulder in things where we're encouraging each other to do different sorts of things. Uh, that's how we cultivate uh, that feeling of not being alone. And that's what is needed for us to be able to open up to other, other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me think of a couple of things. Um, one, just on like the the digital aspect of it. Is there a vision, or perhaps it's already in it, for mental to at some point facilitate in-person connection between like local members of the mental app? I, it's not something we're going to be doing soon, uh, but definitely part of the vision. Um yeah, I, I, kind of what I was just alluding to I, about, you know, men bonding over an activity together. It's another really interesting gender difference that you see is uh, women on average uh, will bond together face to face, sit across from a table and talk to each other and uh, share what's going on. Uh, for men, we tend to bond together more uh, shoulder to shoulder. Uh, and that kind of means that you're doing something together, uh, bonding over an activity. It can even mean literally shoulder to shoulder in that you can get guys who will open up to each other significantly more if they're sitting next to each other driving in the car, both looking mm-hmm. forwards than they would you know, if they're looking at each other across the table. Uh, so when we think about how do we build community and uh, bring guys together, uh, I think one of the core things we need to solve here is not just, hey, here's an online place to bring you together so you connect and find a time to meet up. I, it needs to be, what is the activity? What's a thing you're doing together that will bring you together? And, and this is actually a really cool part about cold immersion um, is I think guys also particularly love if the activity involves some risk or there's something cool about it. And um, and if you can go jump in a freezing cold lake in the middle of winter uh, with some guys that you barely know, you will be friends with them after that. I almost guarantee you that. Hmm. 
I hadn't thought about that as a way to make friends. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, doing something intense together with somebody else uh, has a very strong bonding effect. Okay. So, so since you mentioned the cold stuff, I want to talk about this because it seems like it it seems like maybe there's like three or four core offerings of the app. One is the AI coaches. One is like the the daily bit of wisdom, which I think is called the deuce. Um, one is like the cold immersion. And then there's like the discord. So can you tell me a little bit about the cold immersion and what folks can expect to get out of it? It, it seems like it, it has a, a pretty large um, place in the offering of the apps. It seems important, I guess I'm trying to say. So I'm trying to, as someone who hasn't, has maybe taken a couple of cold showers, but hasn't really made it a part of my lifestyle. Can you, can you sell me on it or tell me why it takes up so much space um, in the community, it seems? Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, one note is uh, we're, we're still just getting going and, check back in in six months and there's going to be dramatically more content in there. Um, this cold shower protocol, it's a guided cold shower protocol and we have other protocols that we're working on right now. Um, uh, one, maybe the coach will be a world heavyweight boxing champ that we're talking to might lead it. Um, but yeah, the guided cold shower protocol on its face, it seems like, Hey, we're just helping you get into uh, taking cold showers. And, you know, there's a variety of physical and mental benefits of cold water, such as improved immune system function and uh, more energy, um, more motivation uh, that you can get from increases in dopamine and different stress hormones. But what I really love about cold water is that when you're in cold water, you are literally stressed. You have adrenaline, noradrenaline pumping through you. And what it does is it creates this rare opportunity for you to train yourself to respond to stress differently than you normally do. And that's the core of what our guided cold shower protocol is. There's a master chief Navy SEAL um, who actually uh, created the warrior, uh, the Navy's warrior toughness program, along with a clinical psychologist um, that all sailors now go through. Um, but he teaches you different tools from the SEALs, from neuroscience, from CBT, DBT, ACT, uh, et cetera. Uh, and when you do the guided cold shower protocol, you always start hot. So he teaches you the tool while you're in the hot part and shampooing your hair, et cetera. And then there's a countdown to the cold bit. And then you use this mental tool to be able to handle the stress of the cold water. But what it ends up doing is uh, it kind of rewires your natural response to stress so that when you're experiencing everyday stress, you're driving down the road and your kids are yelling in the back seat, or you're uh, being interviewed on a podcast, uh, et cetera, these tools just kind of turn on and you perform differently. We had, for example, a guy write into us a couple of weeks ago. He's a teacher and he said there was a school shooting situation that happened, ended up being a false alarm. But he said when it happened, uh, he immediately, he named three of the mental tools that he learned from the cold shower protocol. He said they all kicked on one after another. And he said he handled himself like the leader and the person that he wanted to be in that high stress situation for the kids in his classroom uh, perfectly. And uh, he said he would not have responded that way if it had been a few months ago before he'd done the guided cold shower protocol. And 
of course, not everyone's dealing with something so extreme, but stress is just omnipresent in most people's life. And we need different ways to learn how to turn it back down, different ways to reframe what's happening to us. And so that's really the essence of it. It's, it's not really so much about the benefits of cold. It's uh, really about changing your stress response. Hmm. Yeah, it's really uh, uplifting to hear you speak about all this stuff. It, uh, you know, I, I'm probably putting words in your mouth, but it sounds like you're very passionate about this stuff and you're you're glad to be working on these problems. Is, is that the case? Oh, yeah. No, it's huge to me. Um, I, I did not set out to work on men's mental health in particular, uh, I, but I have been working on mental health basically my whole career. When, when I was 19, my uncle, he'd been living with us to help us through some tough times. He killed himself. And that's why I got my PhD in neuroscience, why I studied rumination, because my uncle could not let go of things that happened to him when he was a child. And that's uh, what led him to descend into depression and ultimately to suicide. Uh, while I was at Stanford, you know, doing research on depression and anxiety, my cousin, who I grew up with, our dad's uh, shared a house for some years. Hadn't heard from him for a few years, but and uh, he left a voicemail, and I didn't realize it was a call for help, as I did not get back to him in time, and he killed himself as well. And that's what motivated me to leave academia. I, I just felt like we were making strides understanding causes of mental illness, but we were just doing so little to scale up its solutions. Uh, and academia just does not move at the pace that is needed to deal with a crisis of such magnitude that is getting worse year by year. Uh, it was a big motivation to go over to Calm. I knew the power of meditation. Uh, it was still viewed very niche back then. We struggled to get fundraising uh, because of that. Um, but we made it more commercial, more mainstream. We got millions of people into meditation, and there's another tool that could have dramatic impact on your mental well-being. Uh, so I have been driven by this desire to help people who are suffering, and particularly the suicide crisis. And one thing that was pretty clear during my time at Calm was that we were just struggling to get through to guys. And I look at the general space, and it's hey, it seems like everyone is, you know, we're less likely to get men into therapy, even if they try therapy one time, a dramatically large number of guys drop out of therapy after trying it. Uh, the mental health app space, you know, mental health apps, they feel like something that's been around forever, but they really haven't. It's been like, you know, six, seven years that we've had mental health apps. But in that amount of time, 20,000 have been estimated to have been built. Um, and a ton wow. have been built explicitly for women. So they don't get through to guys. You look at the general use apps, a lot of them are being used two to three times more uh, by women than men. You know, I, I look at Instagrams of, you know, even my past company Calm and and I look at the space, the feeling of it, and there's almost every picture of a person, if they're not a teacher of Calm, every person there is a picture of a female. It feels like a female-oriented space. And it's kind of a little bit clear why why we're failing to get guys to come onto some of those uh, platforms. And the issue to me with all of this and why I said, hey, this is a time to you know work with men is men are 80% of suicides. 
mental health issues are probably the biggest cause of death in men under the age of 45 right now. Um, so if we don't figure out a way to get through to guys and start resonating with them, we're never going to resolve the suicide crisis. And we're always going to have half the population dealing with mental health issues uh, without proper treatment. Uh, it just can't be the way that we progress into a better future where people are happier, healthier, and treat each other better. So my co-founder and I were just like, wow, here's this opportunity where it's like half the world's population is underserved. And uh, if we could have impact here, we could just have a massive impact on the world. So uh, it just felt like a very logical next step for us as we left Calm. Uh, my my co-founder, by the way, being uh, Calm's founding engineer. Nice. Yeah. It sounds like you guys have a talented small team there. Yeah. We like to keep it lean and mean. <laughs> <laughs> Calm was always that way though. Uh -huh. When you read like the the app's description of what mental is at first it seems like it's like this is not a meditation app this is not a therapy app you know this is about action and then you you scroll a little more and then it says oh we're not knocking meditation we're not knocking therapy and then i i listened to the daily deuce yesterday and it seemed like the the main takeaway there was that you know you don't need to have a binary approach to things like many tools can work and it's kind of like what you started the episode with Mm -hmm. saying there's so many different ways to treat your mental health. I guess my question is, so I'm a guy, but I don't necessarily resonate with, and I've, you know, I love, I had lots of guy friends and they're still my closest, you know, homies in the world, but I don't feel like I resonate so much with the language that's a little more like Goggins-esque and it's like, come on, bro, like just <laughs> fucking do it, man. This is cool. That, this shit's good and that shit sucks, you know, and... And I don't think the app is entirely like that because once you get into the Discord, you're getting people who are speaking thoughtfully and sensitively, and like, and there, you know, there's a lot of camaraderie, and it's different. But I, I don't know. It's funny when you first look at the app, you get a, you get a sense that in some ways it's a little bit of like this. I w I don't want to say a caricature, but there is this idea of like what it is to like speak like a man and and like act and what words to use, and it kind of I noticed that. Yeah. Well, I, I'd say uh, one of the first thoughts there is some of the app copy is just about to go through a, a really big update. Uh, a lot of that stuff's still V1 from right when we launched. Um, yeah, I think there is an element where there's a lot of guys out there who do connect with Goggins, but uh, they want, you know, and, and that's a little bit, there's an element there where, if a guy is struggling, on average, a lot of them are looking for a push, something a little bit more paternal, where it is, uh, hey, you need to get off the couch and try harder, but I know you got it in you. And that's a really different vibe from, say, um, what is really dominant in the mental health app space, which is much more maternal, nurturing. It is like, hey, uh, you're perfect just as you are, baby. Uh, feels kind of a little bit like going to a spa. It's very soothing, pampering. Um, that's a vibe you see across the mental health space. So some of it is a desire to be able to have um, just something that feels on its face. It's mental health, but it doesn't feel like all the other stuff you see out there. But really importantly is bringing humor into the space um, as well. I, 
it's just mental health. Uh, if you're struggling with a mental health issue, it could be quite serious. You heard my personal stories. Um, but if we want to get through to guys, guys tend uh, to use humor when they talk about this stuff with each other. And there is, uh, I just think, an amazing opportunity to create a brand in the space that is about humor and joking and makes doing this type of work more entertaining because realistically if we're going to do this work day in day out we are uh com attention wise competing with tiktoks and other uh ways where you get more easy dopamine hits so we need to make it more entertaining and fun um so we, we want a little bit of a goggins vibe but maybe not that feeling that you're going to get yelled at and our navy seal and the cold shower protocol definitely is not a drill sergeant there's a lot of humor involved and we want the andrew humerman signs but we don't all have 47 hours a week to listen to his podcast um mm. but and sometimes uh you know our messaging where we played about you know the level of feeling masculinity in it um is, is something where we're kind of like iterating uh and changing but generally if you listen to the app and what we're putting out there it is uh yeah it's kind of very thoughtful and nuanced um and i almost see what you often uh do see in the space is with men uh and the way we've been trained with masculinity is that if we feel insecure about our masculinity we often kind of run the other way or lock ourselves down and are less willing to open up. We're less willing to be vulnerable. We're less willing to try new things, but make a guy feel secure in their masculinity. They're willing to do a lot of different things. Uh, so in a lot of ways, it's how do we meet guys where they're at, make them realize this is space for them, make them feel comfortable. And then we take them on a journey from there. You know, that guided cold shower protocol. Yeah. First, uh, interaction with it. It's a master chief Navy SEAL, but ultimately the tools you're teaching, you're learning about CBT and DBT and mental reframing. And, and we don't use those terms, but we take you on that journey from a drill sergeant helping you do something you find to be cool, uh, to having a much more complex nuance and healthy understanding of how your mind works. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I get that. Um, I should have looked at this a little more before we spoke, but with the shower protocol, does that mean you bring the phone in with you and then you play it as you're taking the shower so that you get the direction during the experience? Yep. Yeah. You uh, press play before you get into the shower. And so you choose how long of a hot shower you want to do. And then uh, you either listen on Bluetooth or you bring your phone into the shower with you. Phones these days are almost all waterproof. This, this was an open question when we started. We're like, is this going to work? And then we did some surveys and found out that like 60, 70% of people are, are already listening to audio content in their shower. So we're like, okay, uh, not an issue. And the cool thing is, is if you ever try to do a cold shower on your own, you're like, when you come to that point of turning the handle, you're like, um, I don't know. I could just do this tomorrow. And so then you don't do it. But if you press play right before you get into a hot shower, well, it's easier to press play then. And then when you have someone who's been talking to you and giving you a countdown, it's really hard <laughs> to chicken out at that point. But someone's like, all right, you have 10 seconds. And you're like, oh, fine. I already signed up for this. Uh, 
And then the protocol, it starts so easy too. It starts with uh, five seconds of cold water. And we don't even tell you to turn it to maximum cold that your shower will do. And then you just do like seven seconds the next day. And it builds up really slow because it's built on habit formation, which is about just getting you to show up each day. It's not about how much cold water you get. Uh, and then once you have that habit of showing up, then we start ramping up the cold, but by then you already have a lot of core uh, tools in your toolkit uh, to use to handle that cold, and it's a lot easier to do. Mm. Yeah, very good. I'll have to give it a shot. Yeah. How old? See. How old is the uh, is is mental? It's still pretty new. We launched uh, basically uh, start of March last year. Okay, so just barely barely a year, not even quite a year yet. Yeah. Yeah, not even a year yet. So I, in reading the, the research papers that you sent about these protocols being developed for men therapeutically got me interested because I'm, I'm in a grad program right now getting an MSW, so training to be a therapist mm. at some point. I wonder about these protocols. Do you think the mental app will at some point have a directory of therapists that seem like they're good at working with men or do, do you see some kind of uh, training being offered either in partnership with mental or just as a recommendation for folks who want to be trained to work with men. I, this is the first time I'd encountered some of this stuff. Yeah, no, that's a interesting point in its own right. You know, Matt Engler Carlson, uh, you know, professor chair of his counseling psych department and world expert in men's mental health. He's on our team and clinician, you know, he's, talked about how rare it is uh, in different graduate programs for there to be training on male-specific type of issues. And it's uh, for this reason why it's like I, I see clinicians and therapists often quote, uh, say that there's uh, more women, women are more likely to experience depression than men because they haven't heard about male-specific depression, even though they're therapists. So then there's still, there's a lot of... Uh, need for therapists and people in training to to learn more about gender differences uh, and how to work with men differently um so really appreciate the question and and i think there is a good opportunity you know if we create a safe place with our app for men to do this type of work to be able to direct them towards uh clinicians who know how to work with men and are going to be good there generally though uh you know, it's not really, I could see us kind of directing or a directory of some sort, um, but not really so much on our roadmap to have uh, humans in the mix doing coaching or therapy or, you know, like a, a talk space. Uh, generally, talk space and those type of uh, companies are, they're very tough businesses, uh, mm. very low margins and uh, it's hard to get really high quality uh, therapists and coaches to come aboard because you have such low margins and those people can maintain their private practice on their own. So the quality of the therapists and coaches are is different and research is pretty clear that the quality of a coach and therapist is hugely impactful on outcome. Uh, more where we're going and what we're building out is uh, AI coaching slash therapy. And the reality is right now, uh, where we're at with the tech, um, 
we will be able to have therapists and coaches uh, in your pocket who are available 24 seven, any time of day, you don't uh, need to have an eight week wait until you, the first availability opens up for one. You don't have to deal with the therapist shortage. They're going to be an order or more a magnitude cheaper. So as AI coaching that is coming uh, is going to solve a lot of the problems in the space. I don't want to make you feel concerned as you go through uh, your graduate work uh, about whether there will be a role for humans in the mix, because I believe there always will be, um, you know, uh, particularly people in crisis states, they really need someone in person, but a lot of people are also just going to prefer interacting with another human. Uh, interestingly though, when we look at men versus women, it's really where another big gender difference pops out, which is that men tend not to like to share their feelings with anyone, even a friendly therapist. Um, and I've heard academics posit for ages that AI therapy would be amazing for men because it would be a way for them to work through what is going on, work through their problems without uh, feeling like they're exposing themselves to somebody else. And and it also is a way for them to work on their problems uh, in an evidence-based way, and they could stop relying so much on the social media media bros out there for advice. Um, mm. So I actually think when, as we see AI therapy, uh, you know, GPT right out of the box is insufficient. But as we build tech on top over the next you know couple of years, and it becomes more prominent, we're going to see a lot more people getting help this sort of way as we solve the different problems of the current system. And uh, I think that's going to be great. And what is notable to me is I think where we're likely to see the biggest growth in the type of help is going to be with men because they tend to prefer to do things anonymously or in secret here, uh, while on average, women are more likely to want to actually interact with the person uh, to still want to have that human therapist. Um, so I think where we'll see the growth will be with men. Hmm. Yeah. The AI question is always something that it's something I've thought about a lot as I started my program. I'm, I'm also a developer, so it's something I'm oh. somewhat familiar with, but I, yeah, I don't really know what the future holds. I feel like if, if the AIs are taking therapist jobs, then they're really taking everyone's jobs. So it's a, <laughs> it's a social problem or societal problem. We'll all have to figure out at once. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious as a as a developer, so do you just take ChatGPT and then feed it transcripts of some of these people that you're working with of their past um, writings or speeches or, or can, is there a secret sauce there? I, I haven't really played around with large language models much, but but how does that work? Yeah, I, there's, a, there's a few components. I mean, one area where we will see... Uh, are seeing and what we're currently working on and advances is, is memory. Uh, so these coaching therapists really being able to get to know you well. Uh, and there's uh, building that out so that your interactions with the LLMs, uh, large language models is really customized and personalized to you is important. Um, and that is, uh, and I think there's capabilities of large language models here that are uh, that you don't get with humans. For example, I, you could take a paragraph from somebody and uh, feed it to a large language model, and it's really pretty good at going, hey, this 
person's big five personality traits are, you know, X, Y, and Z, um, and coming up with pretty good analysis of it. So they're able to do kind of like synthesis and analysis in ways that humans can't. They also don't forget you. So if you, you know, if you see a therapist and you take a six month hiatus, uh, it might be hard for them to get back up to speed again, not with a coach. Um, and so some of that's the memory. But, you know, that interaction itself is um, there's who the, the coach is, is something where you could have fun with, where you could personalize the coach to you. Already for us, if you come into mental, uh, you can get coaching from uh, the mental coach or you can get coaching from like Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, uh, the dude Big Lebowski, uh, or like Marcus Aurelius or just a all different types of cool folks. Um, and then the coaching's all done from their perspective, you know, like Marcus Raley's will push you towards more stoic types of thinking. Um, and so you could have a lot of fun there What the actual coaching journey is and what it does. There is to some degree out of the box, uh, you know, GPT with the right set of prompting, uh, and you would just have to play a whole bunch and get in the prompting, right. Especially if you're, to do a series of it, uh, could do reasonably well at helping you think through problems. But the way we're approaching it is one side, we have a fleet of kind of models and classifiers and states running behind the scenes. Uh, so, uh, for example, uh, we have this one uh, feature where we're initially calling it the chill pill, which is like, if you're feeling stressed right now, come in, talk to us. We'll help you take the edge off of it. in just like a four minute conversation. And we ask people before and after stress levels on a one to 10 scale. And the average man reports a 32% decrease in stress in just a four minute conversation with our coach. Um, but one of the things they'll do is like a guy comes in, Hey, I'm stressed about X. Um, our model will determine if uh, you know a tool from CBT is good for dealing with uh, that particular problem, and so then say it starts helping a person work towards reframing the issue. Uh, but the guy is resisting; he's not going along with it. Um, what a therapist often would do in that situation, instead of just continuing to try to push, they would make a switch and they would move to motivational interviewing. So we have another model that's looking for a tug of war that's happening. And if, uh, if that model's triggering, uh, indicating that a tug of war is happening, we push uh, the LLM to switch towards a different approach. Um, but then there's also, uh, what we're also working on is uh, data and then also doing, instead of, uh, I saw that, yeah, you have that machine learning background, uh, uh, feedback learning, uh, uh, reinforcement learning from human feedback. We're doing reinforcement learning from clinician feedback where we could evaluate whether that was a good response or that was mm -hmm. not a good response. Um, and then we're able to kind of start fine tuning. Uh, this is a better way to have responded to this versus that, um, along with our fleet of understanding of our memory of you and what your current state is and how, what is the current state of this conversation? Uh, and I think if you start seeing all those pieces come together, which we're in the process of building out, you see how this goes quite a bit beyond uh, just throwing someone at uh, chat GPT. Uh, but I also think this is what's needed to get it to the point where 
you have really effective uh, coaching and therapy. Hmm. That's really mind-blowing, all the things you just described. I think you were saying that the clinician in this case is a human person who's um, evaluating like the effectiveness of certain responses that they witnessed in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I have Matt, uh, our, uh, who's part-time with us on board. Got it. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I talked to the Wobot people a while ago, and I think unless they've changed their tech, they don't use AI. They use like natural language processing for figuring out what it is you're trying to tell them, but they it seemed very important to them to not be using AI to respond, um, or at least the literal transcripts of the things that come out of the Wobot's mouth are always written by a human, which, you know, I guess if you go back far enough, everything that ChatGPT mm. has said has been written historically by a human. But yeah, it's cool to see you guys kind of grabbing the bull by the horns and uh, just taking advantage of this brand new, frighteningly good technology. Yeah. 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 I, I, I know Wobot, uh, really appreciate what they do, but yes, the, and I, I know the approach they use and it's a series of decision trees like oh, a person just said this and use natural language processing to know what they said and if so we'll direct them down this path and uh it's pretty curated and it makes a ton of sense where you have a lot of control to make sure the conversation goes in a specific direction but it is not a conversation very much like going to see a therapist um it is not uh, approach that leverages uh, the massive advances in technology that we're seeing right now. And uh, it is not an approach that is riding the wave of tech either so that it will continue being able to advance as we see advances in the underlying like foundational models, et cetera. So I, yeah, I, my impression uh, is that Wobot will be kind of left behind here if they don't change their attack. And I also look at the space, you know, the conversation we're having earlier, mental health issues are just at a alarmingly high rate right now. Uh, you know, mental health issues should not be the biggest cause of death in men under the age of 45. And mm. it is getting worse. Uh, we really need to be more aggressive in figuring out ways to scale up help. And uh, I think the the recent kind of advances that we've seen in uh, in AI is just a real blessing I, here anyway. I, I think there's other ways where it's going to lead to real societal uh, uh, struggle, um, but at least we could leverage it to lead to some real good. And imagine a world where everyone has cheap, affordable access to really good mental health care. It's, it's going to be really good for the world. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, so a few just kind of cheeky questions here at the end. So the cold shower thing is not an effort just to get men to shower more and smell better. Right? <laughs> hey, you know, there's bonuses. <laughs> uh -huh. And the name mental, like men toll, is there an idea there? Or? Uh, yep, yep. You, you spotted it. Uh, we did. <laughs> we, we have played with... Uh, with like the the logo where it was like a filled in letters of bold the men part and then the tal was just like the outline of of the letters uh but we felt like we we're hitting down the nose a little bit too much and and we just really like telling uh people that it's time to get mental 
<laughs> right, because and that's the URL as well, yep. <laughs> which yeah. is interesting. Okay, um, cool. So I, I'm sure there's lots of things I haven't asked you, but is there anything to listeners of the podcast that you'd like to highlight, maybe to guys um, especially, or um, something you want to highlight about the roadmap for the app or, or anything at all, really, that we haven't touched on? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, there, there's so much more coming with the app in terms of uh, the coaching capabilities, uh, protocols that we're building out right now. Uh, another AI coaching I, that I'm not ready to start sharing, but really excited that should be launched in a couple of months. Um, but really, I think is for a lot of men, I think it it has shifted, but we used to think, hey, I will only work on my mental health if I have like depression with a capital D or something that requires medication. But if you look at it, basically eight out of 10 people are struggling with stress and anxiety, feeling like they don't have purpose in life. If you're feeling that way, it it is the norm. <laughs> but far and out, you are the odd person if you're not experiencing that. And a lot of us are uncertain about maybe trying something to work on this to get that type of help. But to me, life is short. We think we will live to 80, but most of us won't. We could die in an accident tomorrow. The way to really appreciate life more, to be more fulfilled, to spend better time with your family, with your kids, with your wife, uh, with your colleagues at work, is to put a little time uh, into working on this kind of stuff. Uh, so it doesn't have to be the mental app. There's a lot of different tools out there. There's a lot of different ways to approach it, but figure out which one's right for you. Give it a go. See if it actually makes your life better. And if it does, try other things. But the biggest bit of advice I have coming out of this is try it now. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much, Anson. Thanks for the work that you're doing and, and for spending some time with us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. It was awesome being on here. Great set of questions. And I was, uh, appreciate you uh, sharing what we're up to. For sure.